0: It is good to be back. I know we never missed a a single episode, but I just took a month off. Uh, I was in monk mode working on my new book and getting pretty close to the end of a first draft. You'll see that in September of 2020. It's on overwhelm and sometimes you need to take a break. But the podcast, uh, we just worked ahead on it so that we could bring you episode after episode. It's been a lot of fun. And man, you guys have been so encouraging with feedback. Thank you. Thank you for making this the best summer yet to date on the podcast. And for all of your emails, your notes, your encouragement, your kindness, your reviews. We are over a thousand iTunes reviews on the US iTunes store and many, many more worldwide. Uh, You guys, this is great. And we got some celebrations coming up. We got some podcast celebrations for year five. We got some amazing guests. Like I can't believe the guests we have lined up. And of course, if you subscribe, you get that all for free. And uh, also, yeah, you know, we're almost at, I I guess, I am, almost at 20,000 followers on Instagram. And if you don't follow on Instagram, that's where the party is these days. And we are going to do a 20K giveaway. So as I'm recording this, we're, yeah, just a few hundred followers away from that. So if you haven't checked me out, I'm Carrie Newhoff on Instagram. I would love to connect with you there and also share the podcast there. We've got some new socials that are coming out for the podcast this summer. So that makes it more shareable and easy for you to tell your friends, your team about it. But anyway, that's a little update while I was away. And today I am so excited to have Ron Edmondson back on the podcast. We did this interview together live in Dallas, and uh, Ron's had some changes in his life. He is now the CEO of Leadership Network and doing some big changes there and really helping get alongside leaders. Few organizations have had the impact that Leadership Network has. And Ron and I reflect on the essentials for helping a stagnant church grow again, which was his assignment for the previous five years, how he handles his critics. You guys never get critics, right? I get that. And um, also the changing landscape for leadership and the work he has ahead of him at Leadership Network. So I think you're going to love that. Also, uh, really appreciate it when you guys get behind the people that we partner with on this podcast, like Church Community Builder. It makes a big difference to them and to you. These are people we believe in. This software that CCB, Church Community Builder, creates gives you everything you need to engage your congregation and grow disciples. So 20 years ago, their founder realized that only a few of the people in his church were being baptized uh, and becoming regular attenders, or you baptize them and they're out the door. So, Church Community Builder exists to solve that problem by helping you welcome people, get them plugged into community, prevent them from slipping through the cracks or out the back door. And their software does everything from like children's check-in to volunteer management, giving events, facility scheduling, forms, even worship planning. And right now they got a mobile app and they're giving you a special 20% off if you listen to this podcast. So the way to get that offer is go to churchcommunitybuilder.com forward slash carry to get started. Let them know we sent you. They will give you 20% off. So churchcommunitybuilder.com forward slash carry. And then it is time to train volunteers. And I'm so excited to be partnering up with Ministry Grid. They do an incredible job. They're powered by LifeWay. And I'm going to be doing some training courses for them that are going to come online later this year. They now have, they've grown so much since the last time we talked about them, a library of over 3,500 videos, 800 courses, and you'll find training for every ministry area and every leadership level, from volunteers to leaders to ministry directors. Ministry grid scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And the best news for the month of August You can get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for your entire church for just $399 a year, and you're locked in every year after this for that low price. Now, my church, Connexus Church, where I serve, we've been using Ministry Grid to train our volunteers, and we're loving it. I'm also working on those courses I told you about on top of all this. If you purchase a subscription this month, you get a copy of my latest book, Didn't See It Coming, as a bonus offer on top of this great price, so... How's that, man? It's like Christmas in summer. If you want to take advantage of this deal, go to ministrygrid.com forward slash carry to get unlimited training for $3.99 August only. And you'll get a copy of my book, Didn't See It Coming. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com forward slash carry. And thanks again to our partners. They make sure that all this background stuff gets taken care of so you get this podcast free and you can subscribe for free. And now my conversation with my good friend, Ron Edmondson. Well, Ron Edmondson, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's been a little while, but it hadn't... It, I was. Yeah. Were yeah. you like only season one? You've only been on once? I've been on twice. Twice. I thought you'd been on twice. Yeah. Yeah. But you were one of my first, like... I was when early. You, when you're starting a podcast, yeah. actually, you may be the reason this is a, an early podcast. Yeah. Because I'd called a lot of friends and just put a whole bunch in the can, as they say, okay, to get this show started. Because the biggest challenge when you're starting a podcast, and we're running up against our fifth anniversary, mm. is that, you know, you land a big guest. And so mine was Andy Stanley. And then you like run out of shows and yeah. then you don't have a podcast anymore. No, blah, I get it. Blah. But so I, I recorded like 10 in the mm. summer of 2014. And you were one of them. And I think I was looking at your episode and thought, gosh, Ron isn't going to be on until like next July. Mm-hmm. So that's when I thought I think we can do weekly and here we are.
1: Well these years later. And then I did a book and you uh, you were gracious and let me come back for that. So that was so that's so why are you back this time? I don't know. That's I don't know either. Okay, well thanks for joining us, Ron. I really appreciate it. Just like now your podcast is like huge. I'm like, (laughs) what am I doing on here? You
0: know? (laughs) No. I wanted to catch up with you because we are in Dallas. Yes. And uh, fun thing, thank you to the porch and thank you to Watermark Church because we're in their studio.
1: That's and it's amazing.
0: My great, my studio uh, is in my messenger bag back at your office. Yeah, that's right.
1: Where it belongs. <laughs> yeah. And now we're in a real podcast. That's right. Studio. We're like, um, this is heavy duty. Yeah, it is. It's
0: it's legit. Yeah. Anyway, the porch. If you are a regular listener, you'll know JP Polkuda was my guest back in January of 2019, and uh, he has helped lead this ministry. He actually just went into his own thing that he's doing, but. Uh, it's an incredible church and we're right next door, so we came in and stole their podcast too.
1: Amazing and Todd Wagner we got to see Todd yeah. Wagner. Todd's here. Book, yeah. And which is fantastic. Yeah, they're uh, they're just an incredible church and our offices are next door to them, so we're here quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, they're great partners.
0: So let's catch up a little bit. You are the new CEO of the Leadership Network, which has been around in the church space for a long time. 35 years. 35 years. Yes, hard to believe. And Bob Buford sort of helped start that to really do innovative leadership in the church space. And it's cross-pollinated with the business space as well a little bit. But prior to that, for how many years were you the senior pastor of a traditional church that you helped transition in Lexington, Kentucky?
1: We were there six years to the day. Six years to the day. Yeah, yeah, wow. absolutely. I preached. My last Sunday was six-year six year anniversary. So uh, it it was, um, you know, I had four churches in 16 years, and I never could keep a job. <laughs> so uh, we did two church plants, two church revitalizations, and the last one was the church revitalization. And... The crazy thing was we were, um, we were just entering a season where we thought, okay, God must have us here for a while. We didn't, you know, I always said I was not a very good pastor and yet they liked me. And so it was going well and we had bought a house and, and, um, uh, so that we loved. My wife decked out the backyard. It was all just, you know, beautiful and exactly the way we wanted it. And uh, so we weren't looking for anything when, when this came along.
0: Yeah. Now, transitioning a church, that's hard. I mean, yes. people are turning around churches or trying to. Yeah, uh, People sometimes have to turn around businesses. You bought something. It's right. like, wow, this thing needs to have the dust blown off of it. So Emmanuel Church was a church of about 1,000 people that had been 1,000 people for a while,
1: right? Yeah. it was. It was a church that ran 1,500 in the 50s. Okay, and then they had had seasons of up and down, right. and um, and even before we got there, uh, they would had some good seasons in you know the last four, five, six years. I don't know how long uh, when the last good season was, but uh, yeah, a thousand was a really, really good day when gotcha. when we got there.
0: Yeah, and in very traditional in its approach yeah. to still
1: it, traditional in its approach, they had tried to make some. Um, but the biggest they'd tried to make some changes. But the biggest thing was, uh, it was way behind on the budget. It right. was um, it was kind of split down the middle, even over the last pastor and some of the things you know the, the decisions that the church had made and and the way they had handled those those decisions and. Uh, so there was a lot of landmines going on. We had a 100-page-plus policy manual. Um, Seriously? Know, yeah, we did. Uh, oh, that, uh, we that's had-
0: uh, how does that work out? That's... Uh- uh, one page for every ten people. Yeah, it's pretty we, amazing.
1: We had a policy. My favorite story to to tell us. We had a policy on folded chairs, uh, voted on by the church. We were congregationally led. And voted so. on by the church. Yeah. And what was this policy? Well, basically, what happens if somebody borrows folding chairs? Yeah. And you know, that's you're an attorney, right? The world you, comes to you. You understand. End. I know who to. Got to have that. That rule in place, right? It's <laughs> <That's> crazy, <laughs> and a lot of that, and and and, and um, you know, we're kind of having fun with this, but th- it was a great church. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was great people, loving people. Uh, they just kind of lost their way a little bit. Was it
0: just because one person had borrowed chairs and not brought them back or brought them back? exactly why.
1: In fact, I wrote about that in my book, and I said, you know, had you done things the right way, you go to the garage of the person who bought them, you take your chairs back, and you say, (laughs) that's how you handle that problem, (laughs) right? (laughs)
0: Rather than the big meeting, and now we have pages
1: 98 through 305. But but there are a lot of of those type rules that uh, come because the church was passive-aggressive, you're having to get things you know, pass through the, you know, so every time something happens, you create a new rule and you create a new rule and you create a new rule. And so there was just, we knew structure really, really well. And having planted two churches and revitalized a church, my first church was a revitalization, but having planted two churches in between that, um, we, who, you know, you make the stru- structure up as you go. Mm-hmm. I actually walked into it and thought, man, this is not bad. I, I could literally have gone into that church, and if all I did was show up on Sunday and preach, everything else would work without me. Wow. Because
0: we had that much. Because st- you have all that structure. Yeah. And that that can be a sign. and we've had Les McEwen on the podcast. Tony Morgan has talked about this, but that can be a sign... Of a church that's really on the decline no, that, that is stuck in maintenance yeah. mode if
1: you figured everything out, everything runs beautifully, right We're not growing. Right. who
0: knows whether we're accomplishing our mission one of,
1: one of their favorite things to say, and I hear I hear pastors say this today and yeah. I think it's dangerous, but one of their favorite things to uh, that they, they they were happy about was that they had the same number of people attending on Sunday that they had in in Bible study. Oh, Wow. Well, see, I don't think that's a healthy number. Because if you don't have, new people don't show up the first Sunday and go to the go to Bible, Bible study. study yeah there's got to be a margin there and so as we grew it actually grew from a hundred percent down to about 40 or 50 percent at one time which <laughs> wasn't healthy either and then so then we grew it back to where you know it was it, it was a more manageable number 70 80 percent were're in groups but that margin that's coming in the first Sunday have you've got to have that
0: so by the time you left it had grown from a thousand to what? We were running about three thousand on an average Sunday, and that was yeah. in six years. So yeah. tripled yeah. in in six years. A lot of people, as I said, trying to transition things. So looking back on it, yeah. what would you say, with a little bit of hindsight, some of the the key moves were to helping that church find its future?
1: Well, I would I would say though the one that is absolutely vital in church revitalization is focusing on where the church has been. Mm. Celebrating the past rather than um, just simply reinventing the future. You got to reinvent the future, right? But you can build from the. Uh, what I like to say, and you know, I've had the opportunity to, to deal with a lot of church revitalizations now as a result of our experience there. But what I like to say is, go back to the last good moment in the history of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. When did the church last get excited about something? And what was that? And, you know, can you build something from that? Because that's where people can easily... Is it sort of like a
0: remember when? Like, hey, remember when we did that thing and all these people from the city came? Yeah, absolutely. We want to do that again. That's right, yeah.
1: Okay. In our case, it was, we were a very missions-minded church. Yeah. But under the uh, current, you know, financial situations and the people, we had an awful lot of that. So we were sending right. money to things still, but we weren't really doing missions a lot. A lot. Understood. And so, um, but that was something the church could get excited about. Right. So if I got up and preached on missions, okay, I got an audience now. If I launched a campaign to go out into our community, okay, I got I have some energy behind that because there's right. already a built up DNA.
0: And then rather than having the future be completely unknown, yes, you you then say, hey, remember when you guys were already doing this? Wouldn't it be great if? Yeah. Okay,
1: I, that's good. I would say there's um, uh, something yeah. else in church revitalization, uh, and this was the hardest part, but I had to love the people. Right. So it's it's very easy not to love people who want to make policies about folded chairs. Well, I was that's, just going to say, how do you love people who yeah, have that, the 100-page policy yeah. manual? and they carry it around on Sunday in their pocket? I mean, you know, that sticks out. It's like your a major coach. league. Uh, you can't umpire. hide that. Yeah, you can't hide that, you know. Like, but I I literally had rule holders, you know, carrying those around. And did we do it this way? And did we do it that way? I still <laughs> had to love them. How guys. do you do that? You know, um, what I, uh, I the, the other thing I always said is I had to find the hardest one to love and was I loving them. So? Now you need to explain. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we had one, one guy that was just. Okay. Uh, is this recorded? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's that set when I we tell have, these stories. We have
0: editing powers. Okay, great. Uh-huh. No. I, so his name was. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. We'll make something up. But w- there was this one guy that you know I could just about depend on a, a an all caps email from him once a week. You know, I, I mean, there, you could that just guy. about depend on he was going to criticize something, and he wasn't going to find anything positive. And um, and I had to learn how to love him. And part of that was uh, literally um, in the gym. He was an older man, but he, he worked out. And I worked out. We had a gym in the facility because we had this huge facility, you know, we cafe, we had gym, all this sort of stuff. We couldn't pay for it, but we had it. <laughs> and I just went down one time and, and worked out with him, beside him. And I, I said, I, I need some help with something. I said, because I realize, I, you may not realize it, but I realize you're just difficult sometimes. I mean, you're hard to like sometimes. And my job is to like you. And I mean, it went something like that. It's wow. kind of somewhat jovial, but yet somewhat. And I found out a story of, of him that he had been injured years ago, and he had never gotten over it. And it happened in the church. Well, once oh. I knew that story, it didn't change. And he was still somewhat that <laughs> way. But we had a relationship, and I had an understanding with him. And so when he would push back, and he still continued to push back, I could push back w- with him. Right. And it was pushing back towards a friend more than... Push- but you had a bond absolutely. At that point. To the point when I left, it's, it's really funny because I thought, how is he going to treat the new guy? And I, I actually heard from the new guy not too long ago about this guy. And he said, you know, he bragged on you about five different areas that you were good at. Wow, I was like, wow! I didn't think he liked me, you know. But and I, and again, I'm being somewhat facetious here. Yeah, but, but I, I think to most love guys
0: people. walking in the gym would say, "I got, I gotta go another day." Yeah, like hopefully he didn't see me. Yeah, that's that's good. And okay, the, anything then, else? On well, transition? there's
1: there's one more. and I, I think it's really important. Is I had to take the initiative to get out into the community. Mm-hmm. A lot of pastors want their church to go out into the community, and they understand that's a value. With leadership people go where the leader goes hmm. and so it was very important to me and I see you do it all the time where you post online where you're at and what you're doing and that sort of thing and that helps build your the culture what you're doing and you're out among people yeah. and and uh, and those for those who don't know Carrie the real person he's just as real I mean he I mean I, I mean that honestly you are. So that you are just that genuine everywhere you go. I love that about you.
0: I try to be. Yeah. And it's you, fun, man. When you go out and meet people you, and you, you really are. At the porch.
1: Yeah. It's when you've never been here and, and I didn't know it was next door. Yeah, and here you are. And you're and using awesome. their gear. That's yeah, like that's, that's fun. That's cool. But you're that genuine. Um the I had to be genuine in leading in the community. Yeah. So I would take my picture with the mayor. I would take my picture with the police chief. I'd take my picture. Yeah. the church saw me. I'd talk about it on Sunday, you know. So they ha- I had to take the initiative. And you did
0: that. I mean, I remember talking to you and even following you on social when you were at Emmanuel and it was the mayor, the congressperson, yeah. not for political reasons, no. like vote this yeah. way, no, it's... but just like, hey, we are doing this together in our city well, our, and we're making a difference.
1: Yeah, our our mayor was, was openly gay. That's not a hmm. secret. And so I made friends with him. And the first time I posted something, uh, people would come up to me at, at church and they'd say, do you know about him? Like, what, that he's the mayor? Is that, is that what you mean? Because he's a really good mayor. Don't you agree? He's doing a great, he did, he did a great job. And he was a friend. And I'll never forget being at church one night and and uh, and he didn't hate what we were doing. Yeah.
0: There, you know, I've found a lot of the time, and maybe this is Canadian, they don't fully understand what the church does. Yeah. And when I sat down, we were rezoning our building and we spent over $100,000 that we actually did have. It was very painful to see it disappear from the bank account on rezoning. Hmm. And it landed with me taking the mayor out more than once with the help of some counselors yeah. and just saying, do you know the good churches do in the city? And he was super open, fantastic, came to our grand opening. That's awesome. And then rezoned the entire city for churches, well, which ours, is huge.
1: Ours was, he He was not, un, you know, he knew the church and he knew yeah, the yeah, and all that sure. sort of stuff. So he was, and he was great. And he's just a really great mayor. And, but through that friendship, what I started to say is I remember the time that my phone rang at home and they said the mayor's here. He's asking for you. He was at church. You know, we had a special event that I amazing. Not to. And then we began to do some things partnering with the city. We opened a reading room in a abandoned community center in a difficult part of town, and it all stemmed from a relationship that we developed through the relationships with the city. and And th- those are the those are kingdom building things. But I think I had to take the initiative there.
0: Wow, that's really good advice. And I know we could do the whole podcast on it, but. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And we'll link to Ron's previous episodes about mm. your book, The Mythical Leader. And then I think the, I think you were episode six or so or 10. I can't remember. That was mm. a, hundreds ago.
1: I would be scared to listen to that.
0: Oh, no. no. You know, it was good. You were in the first 18 months, I think, yeah. of Leadership in Emmanuel. And it was like learning from the field. So if you're trying to transition something, right. uh, give, give the archive a listen here. I was still uh, trying to quit at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took six years. Uh, you spent months now meeting with church leaders across the U.S. You're now the CEO of Leadership Network, as we said. Uh, what are the top challenges that you see leaders facing today?
1: Well, believe it or not, some of the challenges of where we started 35 years ago are still the challenges today. Our churches are still dealing with leadership development and leading an organization, dealing with volunteers, Mm -hmm. funding divisions. They're still doing all that. The new challenges that the church is facing today are the the declining regular attendance on Sunday. I mean, I hear it from pastors Mm -hmm. every week. We know some pastors.
0: And from large church pastors Absolutely. now too, right? Yeah, because that's uh, probably
1: what we deal with is yeah, large yeah, churches. Leadership
0: network, right? Yeah,
1: and so uh, we're hearing from those pastors all the time. In fact, we know of some pastors who have stepped down under the pressure of the declining attendance. Mm-hmm. Because there's just, you know, there, it's internal and it's external. You know, if you're in a church that puts the numbers in the bulletin, that's external, right? <laughs> yeah, so every week you're you've got a barometer you're judged by,
0: and I don't know any pastor who doesn't know the numbers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know the numbers. Sure, I'm not even the lead anymore. I know exactly where yeah. they're at, and that's what true that with is. the
1: budget. That's true yep. with the with the attendance, so,
0: and that could become idolatry. But frankly, it's responsible leadership. Like yeah. you got to look at some dashboard. Yeah. You have to look at, and maybe you count a little bit differently. Let me let me ask you this question though, Ron, because this is what I'm starting to see, and I'd love your take on it. But you know, the churches that maybe were in the headlines or still are a decade ago because rapidly growing, adding campuses, uh, a lot of them in a tractional church world are also running into attendance plateaus and decline. Is that what you're finding as well? absolutely, totally.
1: And so if you're out there and you're struggling with that, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I think that's one of the things Leadership Network helps churches do is just realize you, you come to one of our groups and one of our processes, you leave saying, okay, they have that struggle too.
0: Well, it's not like we all started at the same time, but there's almost a sense in which what you were doing at Emmanuel, mm. it feels like that was done in many cases a generation ago. New churches were right. planted, or not a generation, but 20 years ago, 15 right. years ago. All those transitions were made. We yeah. got fresh life, growth, 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 growth. But now what was planted, what was transitioned, the shelf life is getting short on That's those. Right. That's right. And we're seeing decline in those areas. So it almost feels like we're poised for a, a... A big change in the future.
1: Yeah. And it is forcing pastors and some of them are doing it reluctantly, but it is forcing pastors to rethink the model a little bit to to but especially to focus on the digital, you know. Yeah. Where they've been running from that and in some cases, many like Watermark here have been embracing that. Right. But a lot of them have been running from them and they're they're having to rethink that a little bit. How do we okay, uh, I was at a church last weekend, one of our one of our core churches, and they have grown their online ministry in the last this year, through some of our process, they've grown their online ministry five times. Wow! Like like wow five x yeah like from two thousand to ten thousand. Unbelievable because they put some intentional energy. So now what they're doing they're actually raising some funds to put into okay how do we take this now and we begin to to disciple those numbers you know we figure mm-hmm. who they are and we'd be in the, that whole process and in fact I'm I'm uh, finally going to write my dissertation for my doctorate. Uh, th- this next year, and I'm probably going to work on that as an issue, is how do we disciple in a dis- digital age?
0: Really? you getting your doctorate?
1: Yeah, I've already finished the coursework, and I've been working on it only for 10 years. Only for a decade. Yeah, every time you start to get to this point, you know, there's something else happened. <laughs> yeah. And so I've kind of keep putting it on hold, and, but this time I, I'm, I'm going to— I think I've got something I can focus on mm. that will really be helpful to the church. So what's your take on that?
0: How— I was just having this conversation at Prestonwood this afternoon with some yeah. of their staff here in Dallas. Like, is that church? Well, What's your take on that? I have two minds. I sometimes I think it is, sometimes I think it isn't.
1: Yeah, I think exactly. And I think one of the things <laughs> we're asking we i we had a group of of um, business marketplace leaders in our in our office yesterday all day. We were um, groups who are attempting. To address the marketplace with the gospel, we we have one uh, one organization that has in the last twenty years have seen six thousand people come to faith through businesses. Wow! And um, uh, and I think I'm telling that number the exactly the way it was told to me. And so, um, you know, that's a story that's not being told that we right. need to tell. Um, but the question at hand is: Was that the church? Right. Well, I I don't know, but I know six thousand people made a decision. I also know um, there are businesses where that have chaplains in them that preach more funerals than they do anything else. Hmm. Why? Because they don't have a church, a church. They don't have a pastor, so you know I don't know the answer to that exactly I just know I'm more concerned about that person I'm'm I'm tr- I have to take that and put it in a, an outside my paradigm of two thousand people on a Sunday or three thousand people on right. a Sunday or thirty thousand people on a Sunday or 200 people on a Sunday and put it in the context of one person who's lost and has no relationship with Christ what is my Avenue to get to them and yeah. for instance in this church that is is has taken from two thousand to ten thousand. They have 600 people they know of that are in one city that's an hour and a half, two hours from their building. Mm-hmm. So now, that, is that a church? Well, right now, 600 people are engaged. So I think the, the answer, you know, and, and I'm going to get um, all kinds of people saying I'm a heretic because I'm saying, you know, that's a church. I'm not saying that. The ideal would be to get those 600 meeting together. Yeah, that's the ideal.
0: See, well, and I think I think you're you're hitting in on, and I've written quite a about, bit about this, and we've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. But part of the reason I keep coming back to it is I think this is one of those things we are trying to figure out in real time, right? And we don't know what it means. We just don't know what it means.
1: It's so, like flying the plane and
0: building building right, it at the same, time, at that, the same time illustration while yeah. we're flying it, hundred oh. percent. So you know, I see it as evangelism. Yes. You get to touch people who have never heard the message. Mm-hmm. They come to faith. But there's this paradox happening that the more digitally connected we become, the more isolated and alone that we feel. And more and more research is emerging all the time that's showing there's a very keen link, direct link, between you know, technology use and anxiety. Yeah. So on the one hand, if you're using a medium to reach people and they come to an authentic relationship with Jesus, mm. uh, but there is no follow-up, there is no physical community, there's no serving, right. there's, no, that's right. there's none of that. Um, obviously, they have the gospel, so that's like nothing better yep. could happen, but um, I'm well, not sure that's a full discipleship strategy.
1: Yeah, and, but let me, let me uh, push back, because I, I agree with you, Tom. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we would probably end on the exact same page there the The question I would be asking is, if the people show up at your church, let's say a church like Watermark, you know, thousands every weekend. Let's um, and and we talked about discipleship in my last church. You know that it, it, yeah. we had to move the number down. What are the people who only attend church? They don't do anything else, but they walk in your door, and maybe they only walk in your door once a month or or every two months, which is kind of the I think one point two or something, whatever the number is, average attendance. Per month now, if that's there, what about those people? Are they the church? Yeah, because they're not serving, they're not giving. No. A lot of times, they're not they're not doing all the things we would say make a, a good disciple. But we do have them in our building, so we're thankful for that.
0: So they count yes. in a way
1: that the digital people don't count. That's right. Even no, that's though they're good doing that's exactly good the same thing. Yeah. They've not taken that sec- second step,
0: and I've never seen decreasing attendance lead to increasing devotion. Mm. Uh, I would say that's a very if if I'm, I'm sure somewhere somebody can say yeah, but you haven't met yeah, okay, I haven't met, but like generally speaking, declining attendance leads to declining devotion.
1: Absolutely, but what what about this though? And and I'm mm. not playing devil's advocate here. I'm I, hear, I mean, yeah. actually am trying to figure it out well, myself. You know, I mean, we're we're really trying to wrestle with this ourselves of how we lead churches. If that person, we, we talked about the one who only comes one time a month. Right. Or or only comes, you know, and they identify themselves as a member of that church because they, they go every now and then. But then there's somebody else that engages online every time you put something out.
0: Mm-hmm. And who's growing and praying and telling yeah. their friends. That's and, right. So yeah.
1: which, and you got to listen to this. You know, you, you gotta you got to hear my pastor, you know. And it was amazing because we were, we had a television ministry, and it was actually a very large television ministry. We had far more watch on television than we had sitting in our pews listening to us on Sunday. And it was amazing how many people I would go to and say, you're my pastor. Wow. Out in the community. Well, I, it was—and and please understand, the end goals, I wanted them sitting there so we could disciple them, so we could— right. Or sitting
0: somewhere, right? like form your own cluster for those 600 people, like gather in a loose gathering. No, I think that's good. I think this has helped, uh, you know, nuance the conversation a little Mm. bit more. And we're not, we're going to back off this issue because we're creating
1: it as we go. That's right. I
0: mean, there'll be new implications. There'll be new apps, new ways to connect. Any other challenges that you see church leaders across America? Well,
1: the the other one that we We deal with is just uh, you know addressing the realities of moral decline. You know, it's it uh, our our churches are asking hard questions of how they deal with things um, that we haven't had to deal with before. You know, mm. um, and uh, we we actually launched a few books this year that we really think are helpful in that. You know, leading a church in a time of sexual questioning is one of those books. Okay.
0: Who wrote that one?
1: Uh, Bruce Miller, okay. uh, who's a pastor here in, in Dallas and, and a conservative pastor, you know, and he, he asks and answers some real questions. Hmm. Um, and then you interviewed Katie Cole, you know, oh, yeah. uh, about developing female leaders, which is a huge issue that every church we know of is wrestling with. And we would say, you don't have to change your theology to change your some of your policies, perhaps, or some of your actions. She's brilliant on that. Yeah, she's brilliant.
0: If you haven't listened to that episode, I'd encourage you to go back. Yeah, it's a, just she handles it masterfully.
1: She nails it. And then, and then the and then we did another one on the issue of managing leadership anxiety. Yeah. And you think about the mental health issue, and that is one. It's written written in a general sense for for leaders dealing with mm-hmm. anxiety, but man, we are dealing with it every single day with pastors. Yeah, and I think part of the reason may be because it's 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 a little safer now to say I'm struggling, you know, mm-hmm. without all that we've gone, <laughs> has gone on. You've made it a, an issue even with your own books and, and yeah. your own and writing. I'm writing
0: on overwhelming anxiety for my next book.
1: Yeah, so I, I think that's helpful, and I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're willing to say, hey, I almost you know bottomed out and all that yeah. sort of thing. I, yeah. I, so I think we've pressed the issue enough that our churches are literally raising their hands now. And so we're getting, um, uh, one of the things we're in process of doing right now is gathering some resources that are helpful for those type things, because we, we're kind of a neutral convener. You know, we don't teach you how to do anything, but we're gathering that now. We've b- developed some pretty substantial partnerships with some people who are addressing this issue in the, in the future. Wow.
0: I don't know uh, whether you can hear the music in the background, but it's all good. They're rehearsing for the porch. Probably not. I always think sometimes I'm recording. We had renovations at my place. It sounded like the roof was coming in. Uh-huh. Uh, jackhammers. Yeah, You couldn't hear it on the podcast, but yeah, awesome. I'm sensitive to that. Um, so now Leadership Network, mm-hmm. speaking of transition and change, another organization that has been going through some massive change. Yeah. Not only CEOs, uh, but I think it's fairly well known that the public, that the the, the funding model that right. had taken it through the last few decades changed. Yeah. Dramatically. No, Absolutely. And um, tell us about your first 10 months at Leadership Network and the challenges you're facing there as a new boss and the opportunities you see as well.
1: Yeah, well we were um, uh, we were fully funded by one individual that that was his mm-hmm. ministry. So we didn't even need to raise any funds. We didn't need to. And it, it is um, uh, and that, that has gone away. It went away before I got here. It wasn't mm-hmm. fully funded by anyone. And uh, Bob Buford was an amazing man of God who, really did tremendous things for the kingdom of god more than we will ever know in our lifetime it's just amazing i hear hmm. stories every day of his impact and his legacy but he pulled away several years ago and he died a, 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 um, a year ago so the model has had to change to where we have to be a ministry that operates with a business mindset and the business function so that's part of the challenge That I think I, a church that, that's
0: overly dependent on one donor right. or a couple of yeah. high capacity donors yeah. for yeah. sure
1: so so that's one that i've had to uh, to, to try to navigate and and part of the deal too, uh, Bob Buford had a um, had a saying: "My fruit grows on other people's trees." That was his <laughs> that was his claim, yeah. and and that's great. That's a great way to live. I'm going to invest in you, and whatever you accomplish is is for you know, is for God's glory, not for my own from an organization standpoint, there's so many things we've been involved in from the very beginning, like multi-site movement and some of that thing. Mm -hmm. It probably would have never happened the way they've happened had it not been for Leadership Network. Oh yeah,
0: Leadership Network has been the incubator for all of that
1: thought, pioneering, and and collaboration. Yeah, and so 10 months in, I can brag on the organization like that because it wasn't about me, but it's hard to market when most of the innovations we've been a part of, we didn't put our name on. Ah so we brought people to the table we energized them we taught you know we exposed them to thought leaders whatever we did and we sent them out and it changed the, the the world and the kingdom and you don't even know we did it that's hard to market so i've had to really get our arms around telling our story and and who we are and and why are we important to the kingdom and why are um, you know why are we still here and why are we still needed and then figuring out the business model of of um, of, of what has made up, you know, how are we going to fund this going forward? And I think we've gotten, the good news is 10 months in, we figured out that.
0: Can you know? share a little bit about that? Because that's such a, I mean, to the extent that you're comfortable, it's a huge for anybody. I mean, think about it as a major customer right. that, you know, we're basically a one shop town. We do all of our work for Google and then Google yeah. says, no, we're not using you anymore.
1: Yeah. And I can't share all no, of No, 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 but, but just just, just some... Reasons, some but, uh, Basically, if if you will, we have been kind of one shop focused, and that's been just senior pastors, next gen pastors, executive pastors. We've been pretty much focused on the churches that run a thousand plus, and yet there's a whole kingdom of churches out there, and the church paradigm itself is changing. You know, the uh, the Bible church and the and the smaller and the home church and all those sort of churches that need some of what we offer. We've got to figure out a model that will stretch our our, our process and our, and who we are and take it to other levels. And there's revenue streams in that when, yeah. when we do that. So No,
0: and I think diversification is a, is a smart strategy. Yeah. You know, even one of the reasons this podcast is free to listeners, but we're able to grow it. We're able to fly places to meet leaders. We're able to produce show notes, transcripts, uh, increasingly we'll have video components to this podcast is there are other ways to fund things that don't Absolutely. make the user yep. pay 100% of the time.
1: That's exactly right. And one of the things we're still doing, and and um, it, we have always been a thought leader. Yes. So we've always known, okay, here's where we're going and that. But that's the most expensive part of what we do. You know, mm-hmm. we used to have Warren Bird full-time. Yeah, lead, yeah. You know, and, and we hit a whole team. Well, we don't have the luxury of that anymore. But I've been telling the the story uh Part of my job is development, and so I've got to raise funds, and what we have to raise funds for is the part we can't charge churches for, right? It's almost like bringing a drug to market. You know, by the time you put the drug on the shelf, there's been so many dollars invested in figuring out the right product, right that you can never charge enough on the front end for that. And that's who we have to be in a, as an organization. If we're at our best, we know things you need and you can't even afford to pay us for how we got that information. Yeah,
0: can you say anything else about that? That's one of the reasons I do courses. I'm just trying to compute it into my world. Yeah, you know, to fly someone in and speak. I'm speaking at a conference here in mm-hmm. Dallas two mm-hmm. days from now. Yeah, you know, I'll be in front of fifteen hundred people. Right. Blah blah blah. You know, etc. That's a that's a big ticket event. Yeah, and if you want to fly me or anybody else in, don't even pay me. It's still going to cost you thousands of dollars. Right. But I can produce a course. And that course, I can probably give better content than I ever would in person because Mm. I can go deeper and we can develop it and we can nuance it and we can spend as long as you want on it. And I can give that to you for a couple hundred bucks, not a couple thousand.
1: Well, and that's part of the model that we're talking about of the distribution uh, uh, further into the church. Uh, that creates more revenue and, and really more impact for the kingdom. So both are happening, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and if either one of us start to think about just revenue, then we're in trouble. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're no, both thinking about kingdom. For me, yeah. how do I serve people absolutely. that will never be able to afford to fly anybody that's in? That's right, that's right. How do I do that? And then how do I keep all of this free yeah. on the front end? No, absolutely. So that most of 98% of what I do is free, but the 2% that's paid pays for everything else.
1: So that's the business model. Yeah. But what I'm also talking about is, the, the part you can't build into a business model right so the mindset that we could ever charge the church enough for a Warren bird for <laughs> research is not is not practical and that's where we are a nonprofit that will continue to generate funds to fund the thought process that takes us forward and so someday uh, just because you are a thought leader and you really are Kerry, uh so I thank you for that uh, that's why I Texted you not too long ago said I would love to come spend a day with you. you know? Absolutely, because you're a thought leader. You're hearing things. You're out. You're exposed. You're uh, you're talking to great thought leaders on your podcast. I'm going to glean from you. Well, that's for me to fly there takes a uh, you know takes an expense, mm-hmm. but it's an expense worthy of our investment. So we've got to raise money to be able to do that kind of thing. Right.
0: What other uh, challenges and opportunities do you see in front of you? In these first ten months,
1: I mean, you're you're again engineering massive change. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's paradigm, and our, our staff mm. understands it. You know, they they know there's a, there's a paradigm there that if you've been with an organization fifteen years, then you, know, you have a certain paradigm. And and I had a um, uh, talk with our staff. We had our, all our staff in a, a few weeks ago, and or we I guess we we're wherever we were. Anyway, I said to them, you know, I've been here almost a year. And I've been listening and, and learning and and uh, putting together ideas and plans. The next tier of leadership—I just blogged about this recently. Uh, I call it second tier leadership. The second tier looks different than the first tier. Hmm. And so uh, the second tier is when you begin to shape and stretch paradigms. And that it's—it doesn't matter how long we're an organization built on change, which is wonderful. Hmm. But it doesn't matter how long you've been how much you like change or say you like change or how creative you are when you start stretching your paradigm. Oh, yeah. That's when, okay, I start stretching your podcast.
0: No, don't do it. You know, it's- Yeah, uh, wait a minute. No, we're long form, not short form. That's right. That's right. Wait a minute. No, I don't interview that kind of person, (laughs) right? Or I do interview this kind of person. Yeah. 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 We make it as innovative as we are. We all make up our own rules. That's right. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe that, change your toothbrush or uh, put it in a different place. That's right.
1: You'll freak out. We all have our own chair (laughs) policy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly.
0: We all do. You just have to make sure they're serving you, not not hurting you. Um, Ron, as you look forward, what are, you know, you've had a pretty varied career business, um, four different churches, now CEO of a not for profit. What have been some consistent challenges that just keep coming up, even for you personally, again and again? It's like, oh, yeah, here we are again, because you got a nice, comfortable system. Right. Yeah. And
1: now you left, and you're changing again. So. You know, I wish some of these I had learned in, I knew in the business world, because you know, right. I would have I changed them. Uh, then, I would have adapted to them then. And, and uh, we had uh, extremely good experience in business and extremely bad experience in, in business. But I, my retirement would look a lot better had I known some of these principles I've learned in the marketplace. Share them.
0: Share them. In other words, yeah, you would have walked out with a lot more cash. That's right. <laughs> and
1: one of those, it was just one of those real, real simple is uh, I, I ran from my bankers.
0: You ran from your bankers. Yeah. Or f-
1: say, say that again. I ran from my bankers. Yeah. When, when cash was tight, I avoided my bankers like a pr- plague. Uh, in, in other words, I felt like they were the bad guys looking for money. I owed them a lot. Okay, gotcha. And I was in a a season of, and thankfully it was a short season, I think it may have been a year or so, where I had to call my banker every day and tell him where our cash was. Wow. And here's what I would do. I would drop our oldest son off. He was in middle school. I would drop him off at school, pray he wasn't running behind, so that I could jump on the phone and leave a voicemail for my banker telling him where we were so I wouldn't have to talk to him in purpose. Oh, wow. And- what I know now is I should have made my banker, my friend, you know, I was in my thirties. I didn't know what I was doing. And so my banker now, what I know now is my banker wanted me to succeed. Cause he doesn't have to write. That's right. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And had I known that? And so I think, um, it's a good, what lesson. I, I think what I learned out of that is to own the real problems. Cause they're seldom mm. the ones everybody's talking about. They're never the ones, the search, committee tells you about, they always tell you everything's wonderful. You know, my board chairman, I, I was just telling our board, we just met with our board recently and I'm 10 months in and, and somebody asked me how it went and I said, well, I told them I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not having fun yet and they left excited. So I guess I'm doing <laughs> okay, you know, I, I guess it's going to be all right. But um, I, I was telling them, hey, look, I didn't know this thing, it wasn't figured out any more than it is. You know, I didn't know it wasn't. And uh, and our board chairman, he was he was just joking, but he said, yeah, we lied to you. You know? Oh
0: wow! wow. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. you know. Yeah, thank you, thank yeah. you very much. I've relocated my entire family.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I, but I've learned there. You have to go in knowing the real problems haven't been exposed to you yet. You're going to discover right. them along the way, and and uh, and they're almost the hardest ones. Mm-hmm. You know, they're almost the ones you don't want to make. They're, they're the changes you don't want to have to face. So that's the real things that are going to turn the organization around eventually. But you got you got to you got to be willing to own. Them.
0: It's a little bit. If, if I'm hearing you correctly, Ron, is it a little bit like when you first went to Emmanuel and there was the all caps guy, and you yep. went and worked out with that's him? That's right. You've got to you got to go stare
1: nobody at. Nobody wants to have that conversation. No. And and the the changes that have to be made, whether that's employees or you know, and we we've, we've made mm-hmm. three or four significant ones already. You know, nobody wants to make those kind of changes. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to do those things but we can keep putting them off, but that's the real problem. You know, That's the real issue. And again, I wish I had sat with my banker and said, look, I don't know what to do. I can keep calling you every day, but that's not helping us get to the next level. Can you, do you have resources? Can you help me get to the next level?
0: And the more you avoid him, the more he probably sits there on the other end going, oh, another voicemail from Ron.
1: Yeah. When's he really going to talk to that's me? Right. Why won't he look me in the that, eye? That's exactly right. Wow, don't and run the, from your problems. Other thing is... Your entire staff, they're sitting around the bank saying that too, you <laughs> yeah, know, and your your reputation and, is yeah, being formed. And your whole staff is in a church is sitting there saying, why doesn't he address that? Everybody knows he's the problem. That's the guy's the problem. Why is he not addressing that guy? So let's go back
0: to the hundred page policy book. Yeah. How did you knew that was a problem? Oh yeah. But these people are walking around the church with the, the policy book right. in their, you know, pen protector pocket. Right. How did you how did you walk right into that?
1: Well, we took a year to do it. Sure, of course. And and uh, and we began to write the best model, you know. So we began to produce what's best first.
0: In other words, how about the ten page?
1: Yeah, that's manual. right. And we got it to I think twelve. You okay. Know? and it was true bylaws. I mean, because I'm right, talking about right, bylaws right. here. I'm not talking about a. you, know, oh, these about, you know, oh, these are bylaws. These are is, like this, this is the church has said. You know? Oh man, <laughs> are, you know, yeah. There were no higher documents than these, you know. And, and so, yeah, we had to, um, <laughs> uh, but what we took, we wrote what the, the best was. And then, you you know, it's just simple change management. Then you have to sit with the right people and have the right conversations. Hey, this makes more sense. This is where we need to go. This is a, and you let other people guide that for you. You know, people who have clout and credibility in the church, they were helping to lead the way for this yeah. and they introduced it. And then, uh, and then, you know, you get it to the point where, okay, we we're ready for a vote and you take it to the church for, for a vote. So, you know, yeah. and, and that's either or You're not or down. running,
0: you're not hiding, you're not doing the passive right. aggressive where you go home and complain to your wife, right. Cheryl, every day about the terrible banker, the right. terrible hundred policy yeah. people and they're complaining about you. I always tell my team, drive a truck through it. Yeah. You know, let's let's go there. Yeah, let's Absolutely. Don't back down. Okay, that's good. Any other practices or challenges
1: that yeah. really help um, you? I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but listen before lead. Yeah, that's been huge for me is to to listen before we lead, mm-hmm. um, and so I've spent ten months listening. You know, there's been so many things I've wanted to do, and a lot of times people are are, are waiting. And I, I kind of did a um uh I did a diagram for our board and for our staff one time with with two uh two sides um I wish we, we you need video yeah so I, I do can draw need on videos, the whiteboard sorry. you know but on one side you've got um quick fix Mm. and on the other side you've got right fix and then i drew me in the middle little stick man and and put me i'm in the middle between quick fix and right fix and quick fix never solves the problem it's when you it's when you address you don't address the real problem you try you know you you just do a lot of quick fixes and it never gets there the right fix takes time to figure it mm-hmm. out and to implement and to massage it into the. So, as a leader, and I, I, and this is, you know, your question was what have I learned over the years? As a leader, I've learned the longer I can stay in the middle and hold off the right fix, the better, the righter it will be. You know, oh
0: in other words don't because don't quick run, is the
1: enemy yeah, of right that's right uh, and and so i have to almost and and it, you know you have to lead your your you have to kind of give good. things along the way so that people are satisfied you have to keep them updated i give my board an update every single month that's probably overkill you know but they hear from me every single month and some of that is a repeat from the not last month but they and i committed at this last board meeting you're going to this year you're still going to hear from me for um for every month. What,
0: what does that report look like?
1: Uh, I give them, I, I always bullet point it, kind of right. like I do my blog. So here's the things you. I think you'd be most interested in knowing. Here's where we are on development. Here's where we are on marketing. Here's where we are on program. Here's where we are. You know, so the key issues, here's where we are. And so I'm giving them, I'm giving them the banker report every right. yeah, every every month. But that right fix is so incredibly long term, you know. Yeah. So as long as you can stay just keep that, live in that tension as long as you possibly can until you figure out that right fix, and it will be a better fix. Um, again, that doesn't mean, some things are obvious. They're sure. you, you know, oh, do, yeah. do them now, you know. Right. Uh, but if they're not, and we, may, we had to make a hard employee decision within the first 30 days. You got to do those because everybody knows those. But figuring out the business model, for instance, getting traction around that, that's the long term. And that takes time. Yeah, it really does. The long play. The other thing that we did, um, 2019, uh, I drew a circle for our board in December and I said, 2019 uh, in the middle is the year of reality. It's still not the right fix. Mm. And then I drew a big circle around um, that circle and I wrote in that the word hope. Mm. And I said and i put me again out in that bigger circle i said we're going to live as an organization in the year of reality but i'm going to live in that bigger circle in the year of hope and i wrote genesis uh i just went blank on the verse you'd know it where uh abraham was called is that genesis 21 abraham uh 12
0: where he gets called away no 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 to
1: uh sacrifice isaac
0: oh yeah that's 21 22 somewhere yeah, in
1: 21 there. or 22. And, and he says, uh, say the preachers. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. But, uh, he says to, to Isaac, he says, you know, he says, where's the lamb of the offering? he says oh, yeah. the Lord of God will provide. Yeah. And so that's where I'm living. I'm choosing to live in the year of hope. We're stretching the paradigm. We're living in risk and that sort of thing. That's good.
0: Um, anything else you see on the horizon for church leaders that you think everybody ought to pay attention to?
1: Well, the one I would—we're working on a couple of things. We're working on big data, and that's mm, a—that's yeah. a huge issue, and we're probably a, a real leader in that space. Can you give us an update? Because we've—we've—we've uh,
0: we've, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Was it Matt Engel?
1: Yeah, was a guest on this podcast. Okay, yeah. And yeah. talked all about yeah. big. Data. We work with Matt uh, every single week. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, the, the the stories are still being formed, and but we have we have seen. Some uh we've uh, again. I'm telling somebody else's story here, mm-hmm. you know. But we have seen churches launch campuses w- using big data and have exponential results because they knew the community they were going into before they went into it, and they were actually ministering to the community they were going into before they went there. And and so you do an onboard for the church plant or the campus before you ever land because you know who you're trying to reach if what if you knew in your community the biggest issues they were struggling with mm-hmm. because every zip code has a different struggle you know right it could be opioids it could be right alcoholism marriage it unemployment could be whatever that is kids and if you don't know who you're trying to minister to you'll give mm-hmm. them the wrong remedy yeah and so the more we can know that, and so we've had tremendous success with that. Well, and in, and in test pilots, it's the still weird in test
0: part pilots. this come up a few times on the podcast. But the weird part is people go, "Oh man, that's creepy." And yet, you know, in the last seven days of recording this podcast, we were helping some friends buy a car. All of a sudden, face i, I didn't. I guess I did search, but all of a sudden, all these cards cars, cars yep. show up on Facebook. It's Marketplace. happening all the time. We were talking about um, a different social media platform for the podcast. And then all of a sudden I see something that came through on my Gmail shows up as a suggest Mm. on Twitter, and I send it to my team. I'm like, this is creepy.
1: And so this is happening already. It is, and the church is always... a a late adopter. Yeah. We're, you know, we're way behind. And so it's already out there. The data exists. You know, it's, it's not a matter of creating data or investigating your people or figuring it's none of that. It's just taking the data that's already there and allowing it. And you do it without, you don't have somebody's name and say, okay, so-and-so at, Two twenty-three Victory Lane has a marriage problem. That's not what you're you're doing. It's a collective information.
0: Wow, marriages are really struggling in the zip code, and
1: we've got to start addressing it. Yeah, you know, we've got to start doing something. And if we start doing that, then we've created value for the church and for the individual. They're more likely to come because we've already proven ourselves valuable to them.
0: Hundred percent.
1: And and big data is the answer to that.
0: And what preacher wouldn't want to get up and know that you're actually addressing something that people are really struggling with?
1: Well, and it's because we guess. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it's the it's the issue of um, uh, of giving, you know, that we deal with all the time. And when I got to our church at Emanuel, we never had done uh, a look at who the top one hundred givers are. Well we just started putting them in the room. I don't have to know who they are necessarily, but I do want them invited. If we're going to do something for all of our volunteers, I want at least the top 100 givers invited to that because they're they're making all this happen. Here's what we found out, and I probably said this on our last uh, one of our last podcasts, but we we literally found I don't remember what the statistic was, but it was almost half of our top 100 were not on any other list. Yeah. So they were not serving anywhere. They're not in a Bible study. They, they All they did was attend and give. Well, that's their. that may be their ministry. You know, mm-hmm. They may have the ministry of giving.
0: And if you ignore that data, yeah.
1: you've missed them.
0: That's exactly right. You never, ever see them that's right. other than that's right. in the crowd on a Sunday.
1: The, the, the second thing that we're working on, and, and this is the one um, uh, that it's already here. It's already been in existence for years, and the mm. church has just really not understood it, and it's the integration of faith and work. Yeah. It's taking our faith to Monday morning. Mm. Uh, Pat Gelsinger said at an exponential event recently, he's a wealthy tech guy, VMware. He said oh, VMware, yeah. yeah, He, he, he said, um, uh, 3% of the Bay Area where he lives will be at church on Sunday morning, 3%. It's the lowest in the nation but uh, 76% will be at church, I mean, at work on Monday morning. Mm. Well, think about that illustration for just a minute. We, we had um, faith leaders, <laughs> we had marketplace leaders in our office yesterday talking about this from around the country, organizations like uh, Marketplace Chaplains and, and C12 Group and some of those type things and, and um, uh, Work Matters, some great, great thought leaders in, in this space. We started talking about that. And one guy had an illustration of taking the church, let's, I I forget his numbers exactly, but he, you know, let's say there's 200,000 people in a church on a Sunday, but let's say there's 200,000 collectively, and we're just making up numbers. Okay, great. But uh, let's say there's um, a million at work on Monday. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, If we take the 200,000 into the million, we have 800,000 people that are at our, you know, and so th- we know, for example, there are, uh, and I won't call any of them out because I don't think it's fair, but there are major corporations that you and I would know, everybody knows, because they're household names, that have groups of faith-based gatherings in their building, percent like, on a regular basis. And we got, we said earlier, is that church? I, I don't know. I, I don't even know. Uh, but I told you earlier that I know there are chaplains who preach more funerals than some pastors ever do, you know? And, and so we, we've always talked about the, um, uh, the, you know, we had the cheesy signs. My son said they were totally cheesy. Now entering your mission field as you left our parking lot, you know, (laughs) but here's the thing though. The reality is I came to the conclusion. I didn't come to it till I came here and started studying this space, but I was preaching that every week because that your mission field's out there. In fact, I would even say things like, what you do on Monday is important is what I do on Sunday. But programmatically as a church, we did the exact opposite. We yeah. said, if you'll gather one hour a week, you'll uh, you'll grow one hour a week in Bible study and you'll serve one hour a week, you've done everything we've asked you to do. Well, that's not everything Jesus has asked you to do. Right. And so we have to take our faith to to, to, to Monday morning and throughout the week, the gospel in, in all of life. It's so incredibly important, and and I think helping the church figure that out. The other thing that I've come to understand mm-hmm. in this role, and I didn't understand it as a pastor as much. I uh, understood it as a marketplace leader, and I've been in all you know all those environments. But as a market, as a pastor, I'm concerned about two things basically filling the seats on Sunday cuz that number's coming and and making the budget. And if I d- have done those two things, my leadership's happy with me, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, unfortunately, that's true.
1: Yeah, and so that's reality and I'm not saying that against any pastor out there cuz mm-hmm. I lived it for 16 years. But the marketplace leader that's investing the biggest dollars and while a lot of dollars are going to pay a church rather than, than the church, they're looking for something different. They're looking for transformation in the community. Mm. They're looking for the poverty rate to go down. They're looking for homelessness to disappear. They're looking for um, the blind to see and the, you know all those sort of things. So they're looking for real results. Bigger metrics. Absolutely. And when I talked gotta, to we we gotta, we gotta high capacity
0: givers, you're right. They don't care whether there's a $200,000 shortfall and you're asking them to make it up. They wanna see, I, I mean, I've, I've sat with some of the biggest investors of the last year in America. And they're like, no, we want to see, you know, this country transformed. Yeah, That's how, how investors think. And that honestly is kingdom thinking.
1: And you know, if I'm uh, if I'm being totally transparent with you, yeah, yeah. that's where I, I think leadership network can help us move there. Mm. I really do. I think that's our next hurdle. Wow. And we, I, I said earlier, we, we didn't put our name on everything. We're gonna put our name on this, you know, as we <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, yeah. I gotta market this. But uh, we, what we did with Multisite, what we did with leadership being an accepted uh, idea in the church and business principles to operate a megachurch, what we've done with the area of generosity and some of those type movements that we've had a part in, in shaping, I think we can do in this area. And, I, and, and it's the one right now that's getting me up in the morning. Really? Yeah. It's, wow. I'm that excited about it.
0: Ron, this is incredible. It's inspiring. I know this won't be the last time. It's good to be with you. And I'm excited for you. Well, if you don't make it in this job, then the next job then the you'll next have to have job I can on. have you back for an update. <laughs> uh, any parting words
1: I want to give you the opportunity. No, I, I tell you, I just appreciate your ministry and you uh, your I mean you're you're killing it in, in thought leadership and in just helping us think differently. And I really appreciate well,
0: it's it. It's the charity of people like you who say, Yeah, I'll come on and yeah. uh, talk for an hour. And it's fun. I was saying to you earlier today and to Jack Graham over at Prestonwood, it's fun to have conversations that you don't really know where they're going to go because that's leadership, right? If you, you, you know, you've got some really good principles, uh, but what's fun for me about this podcast week after week after week, variety of guests, I'm always learning something new and none of us have really cracked the code Mm. and that's, you know, I remember as a, as a young pastor, a little more isolated, pre-social media days. You just think, I'm the only guy trying to figure this Man. out. And you're not. You're yeah. never the never, only guy.
1: Never alone.
0: But it just feels
1: that way. Well, and and here, I, you, uh, there is one parting word. You know, somebody asked me um, at a conference not too long ago. They had a, I spoke and they had a question and answer. I said, do you, do you think the church in America is in trouble today? Hmm. So That's a great question. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer. It depends on the metrics that we talked about earlier. Yeah but there's never been a time where we have more resources and uh, and data and and technology that we can leverage and there are more never been a time where people are more needy for something for relationships for genuine authentic relationships where you know in the age of technology they need somebody to come alongside of them there's never been a time where people were more lonely where people where mental health was uh, was struggling more this sounds like a great time for the church. Yeah.
0: Well, and if we could help close that gap.
1: Mm, absolutely. Isn't
0: that what the kingdom of God is absolutely. all about? Absolutely. Wow. Ron, thank you. New thank CEO you so of Leadership Network. People want to check you out. You're blogging. A few of us have survived at that, haven't yeah. we? It's yeah. incredible. Uh, so you're still at ronedmondson.com. That's correct. And then uh, Leadership Network. Where do we find
1: Leadnet.org. Leadnet.org. All
0: right, Ron. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you.
1: A lot of good insights in there. And
0: if you want more, I would encourage you to head on over to the show notes. We also have transcripts inside the show notes. If you want to look something up or, uh, you know, search it. I often do that with transcripts. I'll just search for like a key phrase and uh, yeah, you're in there right away. All that is free to use. So head on over to kerryneuhoff.com episode 280 And uh, you'll find the transcripts there, the show notes there, and some ways to share this podcast and get the word out. Thank you to everybody who has left ratings and reviews and who has shared this with friends. Uh, If you found it helpful, please do so. And your feedback and your sharing of this means the world to us. Well, uh, also, don't forget these special offers. Uh, We've got Ministry Grid, who's offering you an incredibly low price and a free copy of my book, Didn't See It Coming?, unlimited training for your church by heading over to ministrygrid.com forward slash carry and 20% off Church Community Builder. If you're looking for a better database solution, let them know I sent you. Go to churchcommunitybuilder.com forward slash carry and check that out. Well, we are back, uh well, in a few days with a brand new episode. Heather Zemple is going to be on and uh, she has a fascinating career. She is a believe it or not, biological engineer. I didn't even know what that was. She tells us, who ended up working for a senator in Washington. And we're going to give you an inside look at Washington, D.C. And then some fascinating insights on ministry and cultural trends among young adults and post-Christian culture. Here's an excerpt from Thursday's episode with Heather Zempel. I think sometimes we're afraid if we let a young leader lead and they're going to go rogue or go crazy, and then that's going to reflect badly on us. Um, And and sometimes that's true. I think we have to take that risk because somebody took that risk on us. I think that if we do those things, it builds trust and then they're willing to listen. They know that they're going to fail and they know when they fail. And I think if we've done that hard work of uh, taking the risk, making the sacrifice to give them the opportunity to lead, the trust is going to be built for us to then give feedback and speak into that. And that's coming up this week. Again, if you subscribe, you get that absolutely free. We've also got Joel Manby, former CEO of SeaWorld coming up. And then I love this, a honest, gut-honest conversation with Lee Kreicher and Jason Howard coming up about succession. I know that's a big issue. We also have John Townsend, Steve Green, David Kinnaman, Tim Lucas, Max Lucato, David Platt, uh, Clay Scroggins, Jeff Henderson, Mark Batterson, Gordon MacDonald, so many more. Christy Wright, did I mention Christy Wright? N.T. Wright, yeah. If you've ever thought about subscribing and haven't done it, do it now. It's going to be an incredible lineup coming up. Uh, By the way, I'm so excited about getting uh, N.T. Wright on the show. I listened to his podcast, Ask N.T. Wright Anything. It's so good. Anyway, guys, hey, uh, I've gone on a little bit more than usual, but I just want you to know it's so good to be back. Thanks for being so encouraging. And uh, I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like
1: never before.